Thank you for listening to Inside the 435. Our show is supported by sponsors and our loyal audience. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced with Anchor. Here is why you should use Anchor to produce your podcast. It's free, no cost to you ever. There are creation tools built into Anchor allowing you to record, edit, and upload your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor takes the tedious and long process of distribution off of your to-do list. Your show will be automatically distributed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts for you. Everyone dreams of making a little bit of money from a podcast. This is made possible by Anchor. With no minimum listenership, you can be offered sponsorships. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do not wait a second longer. Download the free Anchor app, that's A-N-C-H-O-R, or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to Inside the 435, a podcast dedicated to reporting the latest political and business news and giving people of all ideologies a platform to make their voices heard. Before we begin, please follow and share the show with all of your friends and feel free to message us on Instagram at Inside the 435 with any questions that you would love to hear answered on the show. And now, here's your host, Jack Bowie. Ali Sadiq, how you doing? Hi, Jack. I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's been two months since we have last talked, and uh, I can't think of a busier two months okay. to not talk. A lot has happened. Um, I've made, I think the last episode you were on was six, and we we're on 22, so there's been like f- 16 episodes in between. Yeah. So we should have a lot to cover in this episode. Oh, yeah. uh, but I want to start by asking you, what your thoughts were um, before, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. What were your thoughts before Biden took office? What were you expecting to happen within weeks or days? Within Biden taking office, I think I was expecting, I guess from Congress's perspective, more to get done, not like, not in terms of impeachment, but more so in terms of, uh, getting like maybe stimulus passed or um, COVID relief bills passed or even um, progressing Biden's agenda that has legislation that must be taken through Congress. But I think a lot of that was thrown out the window by the, the Capitol storming and the obvious impeachment trial we just had. But I think what I was expecting was a lot more of trying to just jumpstart Biden's um, jumpstart Biden's um, legislation and his plans as soon as possible, especially with the, the Democrats having a majority in the in Congress. So uh, our last episode was on, I think, the 24th or something of November that I said. Um, And I just realized something that we also have not talked about is the Georgia uh, Senate runoff, which did not go the way we thought it would. We both said that it's almost certain that we're going to see a 52-48 conservative majority. And here we are uh, with uh, Mitch McConnell now becoming Senate minority leader. Uh, which we could not have imagined happening in a million years. So take us through what your thoughts on that were. I think in large part, um, I thought at least the Republicans would get one. But I think in large part due to um, President Trump, when he, or former President Trump, when he went to Georgia, I think instead of making it about the Georgia senators and the Republican senators who were running, he tried to make it more about himself and like how his election was rigged. And he didn't play it so much as we need to win the Georgia elections. He made it more as in, 
like uh, he needs to win and his election was rigged, which I think took away from the steam the Republicans had. I think the Democrats have to hand it to them. They did a great job at getting everyone out and getting everyone voting so they would get a solid a solid chance at winning, which they did do and win the Georgia runoffs and now won the Senate. Yeah, I think that Trump did not help uh, Republicans yeah. there at all. I also think that, you know, since Georgia went blue for the first time in I don't remember how long, but it's been a very long time. Um, and, you know, think- we, we didn't think there was any chance that Georgia would elect a liberal into Senate, uh, yeah, let alone a liberal. black liberal into Senate. Yeah, a, a black liberal and a Jewish liberal. I think like Georgia is stereotypically a, a white Republican, like solid Christian state. But now you, you, have, you have a Jewish liberal and, and a black liberal who are now the state senators. Right. So what so we, we obviously mentioned Trump did not. Uh, do his part for the Republicans when he went there. But do you think that there was a part, I mean, because Georgia realized, I think that Trump was even too radical for Georgia um, and, and not necessarily in policy, but just, um, you know, radical as in the definition of the word being crazy. Uh, do you think that they saw that in Kelly Loeffler? Um, because she is, in my opinion, very similar to somebody like, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, where they're just not necessarily so radical in policy. They're just radical people. I think what got more people, I don't think it was as much Loeffler and like who she was, but I think it was more the embodiment, I guess, of Trump. And I think in large part, I think Republicans, they could have won both those races, but I think what really lost it for them was the Democrats' ability to get so many people voting and rally all of them. I think the problem we saw in 2016 was that the Democrats kind of expected to win. So they not those who might have gone out and vote were like, I don't need to. We're going to win. And that's how we saw Trump win the election. And we saw a Republican House and a Republican Senate in 2016. I think now that they saw what happens when they think they're going to win, but they don't. Now we're seeing they're all rallying and they're all coming out to vote. I think that had in larger part um, an effect on how the elections turned out than more so Kelly Loeffler and her views. Yeah, so I, I, w- I would agree that that is uh, a large part of the reason that Biden was able to win the election and that they were able to win uh, the Georgia runoff races. And it was that you know, the Republicans believed they had it. Um, and that line of logic has never made sense to me throughout this entire process because, I mean, we talked about it. Uh, we were not very surprised when Biden won. And, you know, I was a little shocked just because I felt like, you know, how are we going to take Trump down? But, you know, it was never predicted that Trump would win. Yeah, I think, I mean, though, from the beginning to the end, he was I think pre-COVID, though, um, or even like in the primaries when before before March of 2020, I think like the American consensus is that Trump's going to win and Trump's going to win in a landslide. So I think pre-COVID, pre-March 2020. The Democrats never really had one solid candidate that did back. It was really split. And the economy was doing great at the time. So I think a lot of people would have still gone with Trump because their pocketbooks were doing so well. Yes. And I think when I look at like the Republican Party throughout Trump's stay, Trump was statistically, like on paper, a semi-average president. Um with Republican policy and with, you know, economic policy, I think he was pretty much a standard conservative in that sense. Yeah, I think but he I think, was the best part of his presidency. 
Right. I think, you know, I mean, if you're going to ask, if you're going to use the word president, you know, just to describe a presidency, then I really didn't have too much of a problem with Trump. I just disagree with him, you know, politically. Um, but I think, you know, obviously what lost Trump, uh, the presidency was just his behavior and his antics. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can agree on that COVID, pretty much. And COVID in large part also. like Right. And, and COVID did not help him. Um, you know, COVID didn't help him, let alone his response to COVID. Um, yeah. So what did Biden do that Hillary Clinton did not do? I think what Biden did was he got more of a variety behind him, especially in picking Kamala Harris as his vice presidential candidate. When Hillary, I forget the name of Hillary's vice presidential candidate, but um, I believe he was a fellow senator. I can't recall the name exactly, but he was extremely similar to Hillary. He, he was the same age, though, except he was a male. And they were very similar. Now, in the case of Biden and Harris, Biden was portrayed more as, as a central figure, and Harris was portrayed more as the a lot more left-leaning, more in tune with the Sanders supporters, who may have been mad that Sanders was kind of kicked to the curb by the Democratic Party. So you had that mix between, I guess what was seen as the far left by um, Harris and what they thought at the time was more central by Biden, and also Harris being a younger um, African-American woman and Biden being an older white male kind of attracted a large voter base compared to Hillary Clinton and her vice presidential candidate who were both middle-aged white male and female yet still same general um, same stereotype. Yeah. So her, uh, I just looked it up because I completely forgot, but I remember now it was uh, Tim Kaine. Yeah. Tim Kaine. Uh, he was uh, the vice president nominee for under Hillary Clinton. And I think, yes, by picking Kamala Harris, he Definitely set himself up for victory. He set himself up to diversify his audience. Um, and, you know, regardless of what people say, Joe Biden is a centrist. I mean, he's, if you're comparing him to Bernie Sanders, uh, he's a conservative. I have to disagree. I'd say while he was advertised, Biden was advertised as a centrist during the election, I'd say like now that he's president, we're seeing how he's leaning more and more to the left than he was advertised. Yeah, that is true. And also, you uh, when you're looking at Joe Biden, you lined him up next to Kamala Harris, who is oh, yeah, yeah, who can be described as a radical yeah. leftist. When you compare relative, like relative to Harris, yeah, he's definitely more in the middle. But I think like when you're seeing ha- how he was advertised by the Democratic Party versus how he is as a president, it's definitely more of a shift to the left. Right. He, they did a very good job of portraying him as uh, being a people's president. Um, and he did a very good job of that. You know, I would say he is a people's president, but he, he's definitely more to the left than, you know, he was advertised and yeah. picking Kamala Harris helped his cause in many ways. How do you feel about the uh, permanent ban from uh, on Trump in a lot of social media platforms, you know, including Twitter, Facebook? How do you feel about that? You know, a lot of people have argued, you know, yeah, he's, he's being think- silenced, First Amendment. Yeah, I, I think it's a violation of the First Amendment. I think, um, I think it was it was unjustified. Yeah, Trump in his speech when he was speaking to the people, he told them go go storm the Capitol. You know, when he was speaking the morning of the Capitol riots, but I don't think much else occurred that really incited the violence. And I think also it's the First Amendment principle. Like you also have Twitter accounts that are still up called like Kill Mike Pence or like F Donald Trump, but then like the president himself is banned. So I don't see how the president is banned, yet an account promoting the murder of the vice president or the then vice president of the United States is still up. Like th- that's, that's the problem. So from- what led, so we, we know Twitter was probably, I think the first platform to announce a permanent suspension. 
why did this snowball effect occur? Why did so many platforms, um, you know, platforms that don't even make sense that he, that he probably wasn't even a part of, uh, begin to hop on this bandwagon? Was it because was it similar to the racism effect where um, racism occurs? So every country has to hop on the or every company has to hop on the bandwagon to make it known that they're not racist. Was it similar to that? Yeah, I think, and also not only that, but this had a stronger effect because I think I don't know about you, but in my opinion, I think big tech at this point is pretty much running the country and running the agenda. I think once like you have major companies like Twitter and Facebook, and Facebook also owns Instagram, so um, Trump's banned on the those three platforms, like three of the biggest platforms on social media. You realize that other social media platforms are going to have to hop on that bandwagon, or they're going to be left behind and seen as outcasts. Like we saw with um, Parler, Parler when they they had they didn't ban anybody and they were fine and look they were removed from apple i don't know if they were removed from apple play store but i know they were removed from the the google play store so like, you can see when they didn't hop on the bandwagon they were pretty much shut down i think that's what other companies were fearing like discord banned trump and i, I don't know if trump was ever on discord in the first place yeah so, so, did, so did pinterest yeah i think it's the idea that it's the bandwagon that if they don't ban him or they don't make it seem like they're against him they're going to be left behind so i'll say that i partly agree with a suspension of president trump's account on twitter um only because that is where he um you know in my opinion brainwashed his supporters yeah but i think um, he also like do you mean brainwashing in terms of the capital rights or brainwashing in terms of just election the uh, stop the steal yeah i agree like there was no steal joe biden like was rightfully elected president but he still has the right to be saying claiming that it was stolen from him well i like most of the country doesn't agree with him. I think he's still in full right to be going out and saying that. So what I what I don't understand is uh, platforms banning him because he was banned from Twitter. That that I disagree with. Um, if you if he doesn't do anything that is in direct violation of your terms and services, which uh, from what I can tell, he didn't really do on Facebook. He didn't really do on Instagram. Um, Twitter was his home ground. I I I believe that Twitter has the right to do it. Only because it is a private company, but I also believe that you know it start it, it creates the snowball effect. It sets precedent that it is okay to silence people. Something that I, do, I disagree with following that is they ban the My Pillow CEO for spreading false election claims. So if you're going to ban Trump for spreading false election claims, you should ban everybody who spread false election claims. You know, but obviously his his platform is bigger. He's got more people. But yeah. I, I do believe that if Biden had done that, you know, and I am pretty far to the left um, that he would remain on those platforms, uh, you know, with with limited moderation. Yeah, I just I think this is also just showing us like we weren't really aware of this before, but now we're really seeing. I think the people are like becoming aware that like, especially with the uh, um, GameStop and AMC and their stocks and companies like Robinhood kind of saying like no more selling like GameStop stocks. I think with companies like that, we're slowly seeing how big tech really has the power to control us. Um, I'm not going to say 1984, but like we're slowly right. seeing a, a, an almost, I guess, a takeover by big tech. Yeah, I, I was uh, shocked about the whole GameStop AMC situation, the, the scor- sh- massive short squeeze for you know two reasons. Obviously, that had happened, but the effect that it had on, I mean, it had unthinkable effects on the economy. Like, this was a group of people on the internet who decided that they were going to create massive change and fight big tech. 
um, and, and fight the hedge funds. They, they did. They bought stocks, and it, it was legal. Right. I mean, when you have uh, Ben Shapiro and AOC both releasing videos saying the exact same thing, uh, Robin Hood knows they messed up. I yeah. Mean, everybody was against this. Yeah. When Ted Cruz and and um, Alexander Ocasio Cortez both say that oh, Robin Hood's in the wrong, like there's there's a problem at hand. Oh yeah, and you know they get slammed with class act lawsuits, and they're they're that they're going to lose. Like they did nothing illegal; it just hurt the rich. Um, yeah. And but if that's the message they're trying to send, then that's fine. But from what I could tell, uh, they were making money in a legal way by buying and selling equity, which has yeah. been done for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we we saw the power that. Uh, you know, people can have on the economy. Oh yeah. So we also talked about Biden and how his effects uh, or his his beliefs uh, when it comes to the environment would have major effects on the economy. And we saw that within days, you know, shutting down the pipeline. Uh, what are your thoughts on? Because we we talked about president's effect on the economy. We said that within how many days? I don't remember how many days you said. Um, the the economy is pretty much completely in the hands of the new president. I believe, so what are your thoughts on, you know, gas prices, uh, GDP after, you know, a month of Biden? I think the, his, like, him not going through with the oil pipeline and, like, not going through with that isn't going to cause serious problems um, for the U.S. economy and U.S. GDP as, as that's a form of energy we have. And now if we're losing a, a major source of energy, we're going to have to keep going up. If you think about it, how effective is the sun and the wind compared to oil that we have readily available. And I think this also opens up the area for other major world powers and former major world powers to get in. Cause we know Russia and Germany right now, they're building a large oil pipeline to each other. So Russia is almost reinserting its power and domination on Eastern Europe, making it, um, a major country in terms of energy. I mean, I'm. I hope this doesn't happen. But we could even see. I think uh, maybe reliance uh, back to a reliance on the Middle East, which right now I think is the last thing we need. If we keep eliminating these oil pipelines and we overregulate fracking and and fossil fuels and gases, as right now it's the major source of energy in the U.S. And for us, I guess it's one of the most reliable. And I think if we get rid of that and start relying on the sun and the wind and even rain, which to me, it, I I'm not an expert in any of these, but it doesn't seem as reliable as, as fossil fuels, which are, we know are readily available. We're going to see major problems for the U.S. economy and how we shift compared to a country like Russia, China, and even like the Middle East overtaking us as like major world powers. So what are your thoughts on the environment versus the economy? Because, you know, they, they have direct correlations between them. Uh, things that you do that affect the economy are going to hurt the, no, things that you do to affect the uh, environment are going to hurt the economy. What do the benefits outweigh the cost? Um, you know, the cost, of course, being uh, possible reliance on the Middle East, um, you know, struggles in the economy, but benefits being what we, you know, kinda, hopefully, possibly saving our planet. This is kind of an indirect answer, but I think well, I, the solution is really nuclear energy, we saw Western Europe switch to nuclear energy, and it's extremely effective. It's it's not only one of the most effective forms of energy, but it's also an extremely clean form of energy. So we're getting the energy we need as it's extremely effective, and it's relatively clean. And back to what you were saying about um, 
the economy versus the environment, I think there's a happy medium we can find where while we're still getting energy and we're still reliant on ourselves for energy, we still have regulations that, that protect the environment. There has to be um, a happy medium somewhere in the middle that the economy and the environment, I guess, while they may, both might not always be benefiting, we're at least not seeing one rise and one um, sink. So you do believe that there is that line that we can reach where, yeah. you know, and it's not like a perfect line, but yeah. mathematically, you know, if you're talking like looking at data and looking at sure we uh, extremely close effects, to the change. there is a middle ground there. Yeah, yeah. Like there is a part where the environment benefits uh, the most uh, where the economy hurts the least. Yeah, yeah, and vice versa. And I think... So do you think Biden's crossed the line? I think he's crossed the line into helping the environment too much where now the economy is going to sink. I think especially now, especially as we're reaching the tail end of COVID, our economy is still not at the heights it used to be. And we need... um, And we can't afford, I think, any more economic decreases or economic downturns right now. So... You know, obviously, it's easier said than done, but yeah. finding that middle ground, it has to be done with trial and error. Um, we saw Trump's uh, pretty much disregard for the environment. Um, there was a little bit of effort made, but I think it was mostly for sure, like like just for to show people that he's doing something. And yeah. I think Biden is taking drastic steps in the environment uh, with pretty minimum regard to the economy yeah and i think another major problem we're not realizing is places like maybe like china and india who are putting out the most i don't have the exact statistics but i believe those two countries are putting out like some of the most emissions in the world and neither of them are in the paris climate accord so it's allowing them to soar in their economies to soar without any restrictions while we have the power to put in place restrictions on ourselves in terms of energy we're forcing an international body that to do it on ourselves. And I think also another problem we're seeing is um, Elon Musk and Tesla even. Like Tesla, you know, it's an electric car, it doesn't release any emissions. So the amount of carbon, each uh, company has a certain amount of carbon it can emit into the environment. What Tesla is doing is instead of instead of them releasing that carbon themselves, they're selling their carbon shares to other countries like Ford and GM and allowing them to, to emit extra carbon the environment doesn't see a difference between carbon produced by Tesla and carbon produced by Ford to them. Carbon is carbon and it still has the same negative effects on the environment. So I'm glad that you brought up, I'm going to kind of go off track here. I'm glad you brought up the Paris climate accord. Uh, Biden rejoined that within, it might've been his first day. I think it was his first day. A couple hours. Um, Is that a waste of time? Yes. I think it's a waste of time. So we're putting too much um, focus on the environment and limiting our economy too much. Because, like, let's face it, France, countries like France, I don't know the countries in it, but I know the ones that are in it aren't the world powers they may have been and aren't on the same level as countries like the United States and China and even India right now. But with major world powers like China and India not being in it, I think we're putting in place, we're creating our own barriers in being a world power. So... And, you know, obviously this is nothing against uh, the Paris Climate Accord. I mean, it's a the, – the mission isn't good. Yeah, the idea is – But I don't think they have the strength. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
if we had comp- if we had countries like the United States, China, Japan, uh, you know, major companies who with, you know, ma- major, you know, manufacturing, uh, you know, like a, a major manufacturing basis, then it'd be a different story. Yeah. But the countries that need the most help aren't in the accord. Yeah. So I think, you know, as much as I want to like it, it's a waste of time and money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, so now let's uh, switch our focus over to, you know, more recently, the impeachment. You know, I don't want to talk a whole lot about it because I talked to my last episode about moving on from Trump. Um, you know, it's time to focus on Biden because Trump has been out of office for a month and my last six episodes have been about Trump. Kind of yeah, sad. We need to take a page out of history and look at uh, Gerald Ford when he first became president in 74. When Ford became president, he the first thing he did was pardon Richard Nixon for his crimes. He was obviously he had resigned because of the Watergate scandal. And at the time, it was very unpopular and really led to him losing the 1976 presidential election to Jimmy Carter. Historically, it's one of the greatest things. It's one of the hallmarks of the 70s as Gerald Ford pardoning Nixon really allowed the country to move on from Watergate and allowed for his agenda to take place and for allowed the country to improve and to improve and to actually get things done apart from uh, running with Richard Nixon and his crimes. It allowed the country to go actually improve and actually to get stuff done. I think that's a problem we're seeing with President Trump, with former President Trump. He's a private citizen now, and I think I see no reason why we're still chasing after him if he's a private citizen, as we now need to move on and actually focus on Biden's agenda and get things done instead of trying to prosecute a, a private citizen. So I agree with you with you on the moving on part. Now, so so I mean I I think that it's time to move on from Trump. I think it's time to focus on Biden, um, and I think that it's you know maybe the impeachment was a waste of time, and you know you can agree or disagree, but the facts kind of show that one it took a lot of time and money and effort, and we didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, but I also think that Trump needs to. Uh, I think that something needs to happen. I think Trump needs to be punished for his crimes. I think um, his legacy is But impeachment's not the way to do it. He's not punished by being convicted in an impeachment trial, yeah. hardly at all. And even in that, when, when the Constitution defines an impeachment and a removal trial, it says that the chief justice must be presiding over it. And when John Roberts, he publicly said he wouldn't go because he doesn't, he doesn't believe that the removal process outlined by the Constitution, which is meant to be used on government officials, should be used on a private citizen, then you don't have a real removal process. You have just, a, I think, a sham at that point. So when it comes to Trump being a private citizen, the only thing I have to say to rebut that is if like, we, if a doctor kills patients for 15 years and then retires, you know, he's not out of the woods, but government is different. We, yeah. I mean, I don't think we would have, I would like to see a conviction only to set precedent, not to uh, punish Trump. How do you feel about uh, civil and criminal charges? Because that's the way you punish somebody for a crime. You, I mean, because the people who stormed the Capitol are being punished. So why isn't their leader facing federal charges? I just don't think any lower court believes they are able to take him on without it being like 
as, as big a, a national trial. I don't think the Supreme Court wants to uh, take it on. And I think Trump's t- legacy is tarnished to the point where um, his legacy, I think, is tarnished that he doesn't stand a chance. If he wanted to run again in 2024, I don't think he will. And he can because he, we all know he I think most Americans who have some common sense know at this point that he's really behind the Capitol storming and that his legacy is tarnished to the point where I guess the charges won't do much. I don't think he's banned from social media platforms. He can't really communicate to his supporters much. And I think for the most part, most people are upset at the impeachment and have really moved on from Trump. Yeah, I'm not worried about 2024. Um, a recent poll showed uh, that 53% of Republicans would vote for Trump again. Um, but I think as we move on, there's going to be much better options. I mean, a th- almost a third of them said that they would vote for Donald Trump Jr. So the minute I saw that, I'm like, okay, this poll secured. This is a terrible poll. Because yeah. yeah. um, if I have to sit here for four years, if I'm still doing the show, uh, and say the words President Trump Jr., I'm I'm going to quit. Like, I, I can't do that. Even if I have to say, if I have to use Trump in this, like that name in this show ever again, I'm going to quit. Um, the number, my, my favorite option on that list, who has a chance of getting my vote, uh, got 6% of Republicans to say they might vote for, and it was Nikki Haley. Um, yeah, I think Nikki Haley is a good candidate, and uh, Ron DeSantis is a good candidate. I think from the Republican perspective, because, yeah, he's almost a populist leader, not like Trump, but he still can garner Trump supporters behind him. But he'll also garner the traditional conservative, more, I guess, Ford, Nixon, um, Reagan-esque Republicans, who are the traditional conservative Republicans. And he can also get some of the, the populist Trump supporters behind him. Uh, when were you born? Do you vote in 2024? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be voting, uh, and I'm you know, assuming you'll vote in the primaries. Who is your number one choice? Who will you be voting for in primaries, and who will you definitely vote for if they are nominated? In the Republican Party. In the Republican Party, you know, I guess for me, that really depends on where the country is in 2024. It really depends on, I guess, the state of the country post-COVID, our economy, how we're doing at that time. Because um, I guess if like we could still be struggling at the time, I'd probably lean more towards a Ron DeSantis. Between Florida has actually recovered pretty well from COVID, so I trust him. But I guess it really depends on the time. And even by then, we'll have debates. And I guess I can see, I'm sure we'll have more candidates come out and more people show up. And we'll have uh, a larger variety of options. I think even someone like, if they can get Paul Ryan to come out from hiding, he can be someone who can potentially lead the Republicans. But I guess for me, it really depends what happens then. So uh, I'm assuming you'll register as a Republican? Uh, hopefully, yeah. By then. Yeah. So I, you know, will most likely register as a Democrat. So I'm going to be voting for Democrats in the primaries. But there are a handful of, you know, if we're we're just going off who's most likely to be nominated by the Republicans or by the Democrats, uh, and most likely it'll be Kamala Harris. She'll be the, you know, incumbent. The incumbent at that point. There are a number of of Republicans who I'd vote for over Kamala Harris. Um, I would vote for Mitt Romney over Kamala Harris. Um. I don't think the Republicans are going to nominate Mitt Romney, and I don't think he has a chance at running because a lot of the Republican Party, or you still have a lot of them who are Trump supporters, and a lot of, not even Trump supporters, but Republicans who kind of feel betrayed that he left behind his own party, 
while he may not have agreed with Trump and a lot of Republican um, congressmen didn't, they were still from the same party. So I be- they believe there should be some level of loyalty and they believe Mitt Romney's almost turned their back on them. Yeah, his chances of nomination are slim uh, and he probably won't even run. But I think that a guy like that, you know, I don't consider it turning on your party. I consider it, I mean, sure it is, but he turned on his party because he turned on what was wrong at the time. All right. I mean, standing behind Trump was a mistake by, you know, and, and a lot of people who did support Trump the are context, saying. The, the trial where he voted against him, I'm talking about the first impeachment trial, right, impeachment, the, yeah. the Ukraine and Russia collusion, that thing. I think that thing was completely unfounded. Like you've had reports even by Democrats that have gone out and said there was nothing happening. The Mueller report even said that. And you have um, Democratic lawyers going out and saying there was nothing going on. So I think for Mitt Romney, that might have been, I I think, where it kind of sealed the fate. Like, yeah, he's the Republicans see it as he's turned his back as he's voting for removal because of Russian collusion. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Mitt Romney was the only Republican to vote uh, to impeach, and he only voted to impeach on the uh, first article, which was abuse of power. Voted for removal. Right. So he only voted for removal on the article of abuse of power, and he was the only uh, Republican to vote to but remove it. I don't think, even while the Mueller report said it wasn't clear whether like there was an abuse of power or, I'm trying to think of the term. Um, obstruction of Congress. Obstruction of justice. But even like when going back and reviewing it, we've even had Democrats who say there was no obstruction of justice because obstruction of justice is defined as an illegal act done with an uh, illegal motive in mind or an, uh, a malintent. And there's but, no malintent. No, the thing is there could have been malintent because the malintent was James, James Comey being fired. So while there could have been malintent, it was completely legal for Trump to fire James Comey as it was within his executive abilities. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that that was a political stunt by Romney, in my opinion, because he, he didn't vote on, e- on both articles. He voted on one article. And I feel like if you're going to vote on both articles, then you know maybe you actually just dislike the guy. But voting on one article, knowing that there's no chance of a removal, it's a political stunt. Yeah. Um, yeah but know, I he, think- he was talked about by the media for weeks. You know, and maybe he did, you know, for some reason, believe that there should have been removal. But I think that at that point, it was a political stunt. So, yes, they may feel like he turned on them. Uh, but I look at it as he's more, you know, I don't want to say Mitt Romney is uh, like a classic Republican. But I think, you know, cl- a classic Republican would vote for what's right and what's wrong. You know, unlike the, you know, political BS we have now. Yeah, I just, I think for me, the Republican candidates, as of now, we know a lot can change. Because I think even 2016, looking to 2020, I didn't see any Democrats who could run. And now, like we saw, Joe Biden came back. But I think 2024, for me, I guess the main candidates would probably be Nikki Haley, um, Ron DeSantis. And I think, I hope Paul Ryan can come back. Because I think he can be a really good figure to unite the Republican Party. So I have a... Uh... One last question. What is the your like ideal candidate for 2024? And it has nothing to do with who's going to run, who's not. Of all of like the Republicans in the Senate, the House, uh, you know, governors, who would you love to see in office? We without a doubt. I would love to see Paul Ryan. I think 
of everyone, he, he is my ideal candidate for, I think, who has the best chance of defeating Nikki Haley and, or not Nikki Haley, I'm sorry, Kamala Harris and um, uniting the Republican Party. Uh, so I would say, and, and you'd probably be able to guess this, you know, obviously Joe Biden wasn't my number one choice. You know, I've said this before. He was my choice over Trump, but he wasn't. I wouldn't vote for him in the primaries. Um, yeah. There's two people I would have voted for in the primaries. Uh, but is there any chance you could guess who my uh, ideal president would be? He ran this year. Oh, he, uh, from the 2020 primaries? Yeah. You said he, so... And I know... I, I don't feel like you're, you're a Sanders left like that. Bloomberg? Uh, it was uh, actually Sanders. Oh, um, Yeah, I liked Sanders and Buttigieg. Buttigieg was, I think, calming. But there was no way that the U.S. was going to elect a gay mayor from wherever he is. Yeah, nor, like the only I think thing significant about South Bend is that's where Notre Dame, like the university, is. So right. Um, I I like Sanders a lot, um, and I think he's the the most classic Democratic san- uh, senator we have. Um, I think Sanders has always been on the right side of history, um, and he hasn't. I, I don't. I can't think of any controversy around him. I can't think of any reason you would dislike him other than the whole democratic socialist thing. Yeah, I, I think for me that that's that's my point. Why I don't like Sanders. I think he's he's that socialist. He's trying to maybe change up the system too much. Now, I don't know. For me, like at debates and stuff, he almost seemed not as much as a candidate as more like as an older man just just rambling on about uh, political opinions and ideas. Yeah, he's uh, definitely lost a lot of people politically. I don't see why he'd lose anybody, you know, on a social level. I think he's a very good guy. Um, and his past suggests that he's a great guy. But there's no way that uh, the U.S. is electing anybody who calls who has socialist in their title. Yeah, I, um, don't, I don't see anyone challenging Kamala Harris because I don't think the Democrats want to do what happened in 76 in the Republican primaries because he had the sitting president Ford and Ronald Reagan challenged him. And while Ford won, Reagan won the hearts of the people. So, like, you had still a split Republican Party that led to Ford losing the 76 election. Yeah. Um, my ideal candidate will never be president. Uh, yours has a chance uh, if he can, if he tries. They can convince him to come out of hiding. Right, and he, he still has to get the support. Um, but, you know, I think this was a very good conversation. We talked... About we we kind of covered up a lot of the things that we missed, um, yeah. Because it's been a while. Um, I'll tell you what I am trying to start getting more people on the show, um, and I'm starting to try to get some adults on the show. So I'm gonna. I, I feel like if you ask 50 people, someone will say yes. Yeah, so yeah. If I start asking, uh, like, just random politicians, if I start asking, um, the mayor of my city. If I start asking, you know, school board members, somebody's going to have 30 minutes. Right. So I uh, got a spreadsheet full of emails. Um, but, you know, Ali, you are always my first contact. So if you ever <laughs> want to talk about anything, uh, uh, you're welcome on the show. Um, but thank you for spending 30 uh, minutes of your day with us. 40 minutes. Yeah, um, uh, I know we used to talk for like an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, but I think we covered everything we needed to cover, and uh, we'll uh, definitely talk more in the future. Uh, anything you want to say before we uh, finish up? Uh, I don't have anything else. I just want to, thanks for everyone viewing. <laughs> yeah, thank you to everybody. Thank you, Ali. 
you know, always love talking with you and hope everybody else has a great rest of your night. And I hope you enjoyed your snow day. Did you have a snow day today? Yeah, we had a snow day. Okay. Legally. Um, do you go four days or two days? What do you mean? How many days a week do you go to school? Or do you oh, go five? We have five days in person. Oh, wow. Do you go to a private school? No, I go to oh, Ottawa Hills. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we go two days a week, and then we'll go four days a week. No, yeah, four days a week starting after spring break. Okay. Um, so I've had I've had like the past eight days off because we you know got snow days on all my days. So. Oh yeah, yeah no. I think yeah we will. We don't have a snow day unless it's a level three legally have to close. Oh yeah, because you guys are uh, yeah you guys love going to school for some reason. I don't know what's wrong yep. with you all up there. Yeah, actually, um, it was a five day weekend at least. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but yeah, thank you to everybody. Thank you, Ali, and I hope to see you all. Uh, In the next one, this has been episode number 22 of Inside the 435. Have a great night.